Hello and welcome to Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. This week's episode is one that I was definitely looking forward to. It was almost a movie that I wouldn't be able to hate even if I wanted to. And that's with only seeing the trailers. But it doesn't mean that I can't look at it critically. I think we should probably jump into the episode because this does have the potential to go a little long. This is the 2021 James Gunn directed The Suicide Squad. First things first, if you have not seen this movie, I highly recommend you check it out. I had a good time with it. I would hate to ruin anything. I'm going to try to stay relatively spoiler free. However, some spoilers may pop up. If you want to go into this one completely blind, I recommend you first watch it, then come back to hear my thoughts. With a spoiler warning out of the way, I think we have to go back a couple of years to really dive in deep to see how in the world did James Gunn come about directing a R-rated Suicide Squad film? Why was Warner Brothers not scared of the R rating this time? Who knows? I would really like to know why they were okay with that. They always seem to be scared of the R rating for their comic book films because they really want that kind of Marvel money. I'm going to boil this down to probably the simplest form of explanation that I can. James Gunn had a very successful run on the Guardians of the Galaxy films. He went and made a comment about our former president when a potential rumor of something that the president liked to engage in surfaced. James Gunn proceeded to make a joke about that. Then all of a sudden, it seemed like all of his tweets that were since deleted, it seems like they all came back to haunt him. He made numerous jokes about various things. I'm not going to get into that here. If you really want to look that up, go ahead. I try to keep this a little bit on the clean side. Either way, the jokes were tasteless. I don't think that they really stem from a person's character. I think that people at that time were probably okay with shock and they were in it for the shock value. I'm not really saying that it was right what was posted. No, it definitely wasn't. But at the end of the day, people are people. People have said things in our past, we've all been there, where we may have said something that there's no way we would say that today. People learn, people grow. Either way, people took to that James Gunn was attacking their god of a president and proceeded to call for James Gunn's firing from Disney. Disney answered with a pretty swift cancellation of James Gunn by firing him off of Guardians of the Galaxy 3. When that happened, he no sooner was fired and hired by Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers hired him for the Suicide Squad. They pretty much promised him full creative control. I think that's fully on display with the film here. In a surprising move, James Gunn and Disney managed to make nice. Disney went and had deep conversations, I guess, as far as that goes, to make sure that he would uphold the Disney image. I'm assuming that's what it was. It was a behind-closed-doors talk, so who knows? No one wanted to touch Guardians 3 because James Gunn, in my opinion, made two of the best Marvel films of all time, even if the second one wasn't nearly as good as the first. I still enjoyed the second one. The second, for me, really did feel like a proper extension of the first one, so it was kind of a more of the same with a solidification of 
the family type of idea. If anything, Fast and the Furious and Vin Diesel should. So with that, we get the film The Suicide Squad. Me personally, as I said earlier in this episode, I really enjoyed this one. I was a somewhat fan of the first film. I didn't think it deserved all the flack that it got. It was a little too flashy. The movie was definitely cut to hell. It it felt like a studio chop-up mishmash of visions, style. It didn't really have a clear goal. The plot was very loose in the film. We never had a firm grasp of what was actually going on. But either way, I thought that it was still fun. I still wound up having a little bit of fun with it. I do hope that someday we get David Ayer's vision of his Suicide Squad because it may even gel a little bit better with this film. If that's a more serious take on the Suicide Squad with James Gunn's more, hey, I want people to have fun with the Suicide Squad. It's a series that was fun in the comics and I want it to be fun for the audience. It would definitely create a better gelling and meshing between the two films. This movie isn't really a sequel, it's not a reboot, it doesn't necessarily reference things that came before, however character growth and say like Harley Quinn is still present. They really did make an effort to have the natural evolution of Harley Quinn here. I think this is probably the best outing of Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Birds of Prey didn't really do it for me, but this film, I thought that she was the way the character should be. I do have to say, I know that I was not the target audience of Birds of Prey. However, I did want to see it based on my love of the DC world that's created here, even if it did stray away from Zack Snyder's vision. We'll talk a little bit more about that on the tail end of the episode. If there's one thing that the original Suicide Squad film got right, that is definitely the casting. The casting of the Suicide Squad in that film really did work for me. I thought everybody outside of Will Smith was good in the movie. Will Smith, I think, was probably a little miscast. He was not a good dead shot, but I didn't think he was awful in the movie either. I think with the way this movie played out, I think Will Smith is probably going to be disappointed that he sat this one out. Because in this one, we have the character of Bloodsport. Bloodsport is played by Idris Elba. He also seems almost as a similar character as Will Smith's Deadshot. He even has a similar story arc. The difference is, is that Idris Elba is a much better actor than what Will Smith could ever hope to be. I know that Will Smith has made some pretty good dramatic turns in, say, The Pursuit of Happiness, but as far as being a great actor, I've never really seen him in anything that wowed me. I think Idris Elba is awesome in this film. They could have even recast the role of Deadshot. Honestly, I don't really want to see Will Smith's Deadshot come back in any DC project. I'd be far happier to keep... Idris Elba's Bloodsport in the series moving forward. Returning members of the Suicide Squad team are Jay Courtney's Captain Boomerang, as well as Joel Kinnaman's Rick Flagg. We also, of course, have Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, which I mentioned earlier. There's various cameo appearances here of new members to the Suicide Squad team, or members to the 
first and second Suicide Squad team since there's two that gradually or quickly becomes one team. I'll go and leave that up for you to actually see, but it was kind of a fun way to show that no single character is safe. The other newcomers to the team include Peacemaker, Polkadot Man, Ratcatcher 2, and King Shark, who is voiced by Sylvester Stallone. The new team is actually what separates this film from the other one. With the first Suicide Squad film, I really didn't care who lived or died in the movie. It didn't really matter to me, mostly because of the fact that I didn't really have enough with the characters to understand them or relate to them. That problem is actually completely gone with The Suicide Squad. Director James Gunn also wrote the script. I believe he knew how to write proper characters. I'm not saying that David Ayer is a poor writer. It's just that James Gunn really allows us to maybe identify and understand here. We didn't get that from the first film. Our team here is a bunch of misunderstood misfits. They don't fit into society properly because they're different. So there's a deeper level of understanding the characters there that James Gunn simply gets. James Gunn is definitely having a blast going into a deeper dive with these outcasts and misfits. He really seems to understand the characters as well. That's something that has been in all of his films. He really does seem to get people that may be different in society. But yet with the way he handles them here in his films, he really allows us to get and maybe identify a little bit with them. There's a strong theme of wanting to fit in, specifically with the King Shark character. He really does just want a friend, but yet he's different from all the other from all the other team members. He's always trying to fit in. He's trying to seek their approval. It doesn't exactly work. They kind of treat him like crap a little bit when really at the end of the day, they're social misfits too. They don't really fit into society. I completely get that because there's many times where there's a lot of popular things going around here and I don't feel like I fit in as far as that stuff goes either. But I kind of realized you're either going to like me or you're not and if you don't that's okay we don't have to always share the same things the same things that we enjoy it just simply doesn't matter but what we should have from everybody is acceptance and that's where james gunn really shines here is the fact that he really does seem to add a whole lot of heart and sentimentality to all of his projects if you look at maybe slither or super both of those films have a strong semblance of love as well as somebody's life falling apart. There's a lot of ridiculous stuff in there, but there's some really good human moments. He does that in Guardians of the Galaxy as well, that, that idea of wanting to belong. It should be noted that Guardians of the Galaxy, with the way James Gunn did it, it very much was a PG-13 styled Suicide Squad type of idea and film. I think it worked for that movie. I think it's amazing that James Gunn was able to work within the Disney and Marvel production and that PG-13 rating. I just can't help but feel like that he's more comfortable here specifically because of being able to do what he wants. He was 
sort of tied up a little bit on the Guardians films. It was still a James Gunn production. You could still tell all of his little things that he incorporated from other films that he's done up until that point. But having the chains taken off and being able to be free to do what you want in a film, it's kind of great. And it really does work here for the Suicide Squad. I think Warner Brothers should have been smart enough to do the original Suicide Squad film with an R rating. No, a rating doesn't necessarily mean if a movie is good or bad, but it allows James Gunn to expand a little bit more and be more true to his style, if that makes sense. This movie is definitely very funny, it's very violent, but it's got a great heart about it, and that's one of the things that makes this a superior film to the first movie. We really do have levels of blood and gore that haven't been seen by James Gunn or any of his projects since the movie Slither. It was a welcome return to form in a way because he got his start doing some trauma films and working with Lloyd Kaufman. It allows him to get back a little bit more to that, get back to his roots so to speak. It works really well with the movie. I like the fact that we even have a giant kaiju. The big thing in this movie is the character of Starro, who has appeared in some DC comics throughout the years. Starro is, of course, a giant starfish. I didn't even know too much about it until this movie. Whether it's true to the comics or not, I don't know. I haven't looked it up. But it allows us to get some ridiculous things. But it looks pretty cool on screen, even though it is ridiculous. And since we like the character so much, we're going to go along for the ride. Whether it's ridiculous or not, it's there. We've enjoyed the movie up until this point. So, hey, why not? There's also a definite love of the source material here. I like the fact that James Gunn seemingly broke the movie up into little segments. It was unique. I almost felt like I was going from one issue of a comic book to another, or maybe a panel to another. It was a great way to do something different and maybe add some new sense of style into the DC universe. It worked for me, and I can't see anybody really having any complaints with that. If there is any real complaints here is that the actual villain of the film, played by Peter Capaldi, it was kind of tacked on feeling. It didn't really feel fleshed out. Probably because most of the movie was focusing on the Suicide Squad themselves rather than the actual plot. But that doesn't mean that it's necessarily bad. It's just that the plot, just like the first film, is kind of paper thin. I will say that it's stronger here in this film compared to the first. The only other thing that I could really say about this that probably should have been taken care of is maybe the length. It did feel a little bit long. I didn't have any complaints with the length, but I can see where maybe some people would. I had so much fun with the movie that I didn't really care. This thing could have been a, a four-hour Zack Snyder's Justice League style movie, and I probably wouldn't have had any complaints. Hey, James Gunn, bring it on. Let's make a four-hour version of this film if that many deleted scenes exist. I'm game for it. Alright, I said about this earlier in the episode, and I wanted to really dive a little bit further into it. The fact that this movie is getting review bombed by Zack Snyder's Justice League and the Restore the Justice League fandom, I don't really think is a good thing. For one, 
it's toxic fandom and being this way is not going to get a air cut of Suicide Squad released. Everybody needs to chill out for a moment. I said about Birds of Prey not really being something I liked. I didn't really care for it. It got away from the Zack Snyder Justice League idea, the DCEU, the Snyderverse, whatever you want to call it. It got away from all of that, and that's okay. Not every movie has to share one single vision. That is something that I wish Marvel would get through their heads. You're, you can have directors having unique visions. You can have those times where a movie may not match up to the film that came before it. What that's going to do is actually keep it fresh. One of my biggest complaints with Marvel is that all the films feel the same. Now, Zack Snyder's films, they did feel like all one story. His Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, his Justice League. That was all one thing. But the world is bigger and the world can handle the Birds of Prey. It can handle the Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 1984. It can handle all of that. It can handle James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Does it fit with the other films thematically? No, but it doesn't have to. We can take these characters and move them from film to film. If the movie has a different feel about it, that's okay. That's actually going to keep things fresh. If you have a bomb along the way, say it doesn't stack up to the film that came before it, that's okay too. People will be there for the next one, unless you repeatedly make some of the worst films of all time and just go and simply don't care. I wish WB would get that through their head that it's okay, we could actually continue the Snyderverse as well as have things like Birds of Prey and The Suicide Squad. It's alright, it'll work. As we know right now, the Snyderverse is dead. That doesn't mean that it has to stay dead, but going and review bombing a movie simply because you think it's going to drive a stake through its heart, well, I got news for you. It's already dead. So there's nowhere to go from here but up. Maybe Discovery will restore it. Maybe we'll get further adventures with Ben Affleck's Batman. Who knows? I know they're changing the feel of the way these DCEU films are, but it doesn't mean that you can't go back to that at some point in time. And that's where I think a lot of the people that are being militant about this, it's the wrong way to be. I know that we love our things that we love. We really do have a deep love for those things we identify with, those things that really get to us. But if you're going to go and review bomb a film or go and make threats to people, like death threats over something like this, it's kind of ridiculous. Either way, it was a great movie. This was truly a breath of fresh air in the comic book film genre. It shows how somebody that has a great love for the source material can really turn out a film that is both entertaining and heartwarming in its own bizarre way. James Gunn has long been one of my favorite writers and directors. This has not changed in any way. I am glad to have him back and we got a great film out of this. So 
Welcome back, James Gunn. Can't wait to see what you do in the future and with Guardians 3. With that being said, I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. If you don't do the whole social media thing, go ahead and drop me an email at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. I do have a website that if you need to catch up on some past episodes, you can do so at adamanalyzes.com. Also, if you're enjoying this show, why not tell a friend about it? Or if you have a free moment, go ahead and give me a digital hug by writing a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to reach new listeners as well as create new content. With that being said, be kind and good night.